Hi, my name is Sherry Doherty, and I'm a 54-year-old lady in red, in act two of my career and living my best life. My perspective on life and behaviors have been governed by who I was as a child, who I became, and who I am still striving to be. People my age are beautiful, bold, confident, and full of wisdom. And truly, the encore of the story of your life is still when the best songs are yet to be sung. My mission in this podcast is to shine the spotlight on people like me, have real conversations about reinvention stories, and inspire you to continue to follow your dreams regardless of your age. I'm doing it for Daisy. Who are you doing it for? Good day and welcome to today's episode of the Encore podcast. Today, I am delighted to have with me Amina Mohammed, who is the founder and executive director for Cameras for Girls. That alone is just interesting and intriguing, and I am delighted to allow her to share her story and her mission. So welcome, Amina. Thank you so, so much for having me. I really appreciate this, Shari. Well, you have a story and you have a cause, and I am delighted to be part of sharing that for you. Thank you so much. If you will, take us backwards a little bit and just tell us your story. What was your childhood like? Where are you born and raised? Do you have any highlights or lowlights that you'd like to share? And just tell us. Yeah, my family and I actually came to Canada as refugees in 1972 after we were expelled with all these other thousands of Indians given 90 days to leave our home country of Uganda. So back then it was ruled by a dictator, then President Idi Amin, crazy Idi Amin, we call him. And he literally gave us 90 days. My parents were born there. My sister was born there. I was born in England, but we had been living there and I was three at the time. And at first we thought, "Eh, he's just joking. Like he was really crazy, but it quickly became apparent that he wasn't. And in looking back, we were really lucky because we landed in Canada. And for those people who were left behind, I'm talking about the Africans, their lives got worse than it ever was before and continues to get worse. And so I grew up in, you know, Canada. We landed in Montreal and after being processed, we went to St. Catharines. We lived there until I was 10, I think. And then we moved to Burlington. My dad worked for Mother's Pizza. I don't know if you remember that. I but do. <laughs> yeah. I Mother's Pizza. Yeah. I miss it. I like it crazy. I as well. I know. So we lived in Burlington and then I moved to Toronto and I started working in film and television. But growing up, I grew up as a Muslim in a very strict household. I was only allowed out one Saturday a month till 10 o'clock as a girl, right, growing up. And at the time I thought, my God, like, how dare you? I'm growing up in Canada. I want to experience all my friends do. But looking back, I'm really grateful for what my parents did because it gave me values and structure. And so interesting. It really did. Very different childhood around the same time. Yeah. More structure. A lot, right? And I rebelled. I was the rebellious one. My sister was the very like, okay, I'll do what you say. And I was the, no, I want my own path. I'm going to follow my own path. And as a girl living in this kind of Muslim world, you're told, well, you're going to be a doctor, you're going to be a lawyer, or you're going to be whatever. And I was like, hell no, I'm an artist. And I didn't know that I was an artist, but I watched my mom, who was an artist. She made everything. Like She made everything, either sewing it or crocheting it or knitting it or whatever, because we didn't have money. So it was always, how do you make what we need or do what we need or get what we need by being creative? And that inspired me to come out of high school and go into fashion design, which then eventually landed me in the film and television industry. 
So yeah, it was a really interesting life growing up. Okay. So what about your building years? I like to talk about the 20s, 30s, 40s, when you are potentially, and I don't know your story, so share with us all, you know, getting married, having children, some divorce, building a career, restarting. What were those years looking like for you? Yeah. So as I said, I went into fashion design and I came out of fashion design school and I started making wedding dresses by hand, hand beading and whatever. And I thought, oh, people will go crazy for this. No, they didn't. You know, they didn't see the value. And I quickly lost passion. And then a friend of mine said to me one day, hey, I'm going to pick up my check from the film set. And I was like, oh, I want to check out a film set. So we go to the film set and her boss looks me up and down and says, do you want a job? And she was working in catering at the time. And I was like, a job in what? Like the way she was looking at me was very like, I was like, oh my God. And she's like, well, you're cute and you would do really well. You make, you know, 25 bucks an hour. I'm like, yeah. So I started in catering and I did that for about six months. And then I managed to get myself into the wardrobe department because I said I could sew. So I got into wardrobe and my last film in wardrobe was American Psycho. So I did wardrobe for a long time and then I hurt my back. And then I said, okay, I'm going to go back to school. So I was laying on my back. I didn't know what else I was going to do. So I went back to school in producing, but I knew so much by then that I ended up teaching like the budgeting course with the professor. So when I came out, I went back into producing. And so I started producing short films, which my first short film went to TIFF. And then I started producing music videos. And I had an in at Much Music and I'd call Farley and I'd say, hey, I got a grant. Like I got an application. Can you give me the grant? So he'd give me the grant. And then I would finagle my way to really get things for free and end up with a 5,000 grant to make a music video and walking away with half of that in my pocket. So it was really creative. Brilliant. Dancing. Yeah. And then documentary. And so then through documentary, I got a fellowship, a first hot dogs fellowship. And I wanted to tell the story about how we had lost everything in Uganda and the Indians who were going back to Uganda in the 90s to claim what was taken from them. So I wanted to follow that story. So if I went to Uganda in 2007, I had family there who were trying to claim their property. So I was going to document their journey as well. And that really was the impetus for life-changing moment. Okay. I had been married by now in 2002. I met my husband in 2001. He's from Denmark. And in 2002, like literally 11 months later, we were married. I had a similar journey of a very quick marriage. but Yeah. And we're still married. This June, we'll celebrate 21 years. And through this time, you know, I said to my husband, there's something inside me that needs to discover my roots. I just need to be there discovering my roots. So I went back with the journey to discover my roots and tell the story. And when I landed in Uganda, you know, I saw immense poverty, which I was expecting, but not at this level. But what really hit me was the plight of women and girls was the plight of I had grown up in Canada with all of these opportunities and I had squandered many of them in my youth because I was rebellious. But here they were wanting these opportunities of education, of work, of equal rights and equal pay, and they were not getting them simply because they were girls. And that pissed me off. And during this time, I had come home. During this time, we were trying to adopt. So we got married in 2002. And we started trying to have a family because I was 33 and he was 29. Yes, I robbed the cradle, but we had a lot of challenges. So I went through depression. But 
this was my way to sort of come out of that depression and build me back up, but I just didn't know how to make the link. So I came home from Uganda very changed. You know, you live in this country and you have all these opportunities and it's always like, what else can I get? What else do I want? What else? It's always this, you know, I need bigger and better. Mm-hmm. But when you go to a developing world, at least for me, and you come back, your values change. No more was it, what do I need? It was, how do I pay it forward? That's and, beautiful. Right? But I couldn't figure it out. So here I was in a career trying to adopt, going through depression. And in the back of my mind was always this need to pay it forward, but not knowing how to make the connection. So I left film and television in 2010 when we adopted our daughter. And she came with a host of issues that we were not prepared for. She came with fetal alcohol, which we were not told about. So it took me five years to get her official diagnosis. Oh, boy. And eight years to get her help in this Canadian health system. But she's 15 today. Lucky she has you. I fought. Like, I fought like hell. And that's just the way I am. I fight for something I want. And so I fought for her and now she's doing incredibly well. Like she'll always have challenges, but she's so much further. And so I left film and television and I went into a completely different avenue. And I started a business in home staging because when I left film, it was sort of at the crux of I was always working, you know, 18 hour days, 24 seven. And my husband turned around to me one day and said, we're not really married because you're not here ever. So if you want to stay married, you got to figure out what you want more. And that was a wake up call to me because I was looking at my friends in film and they were all divorced or drugs or alcohol because the hours were a killer and the lifestyle is hell. And I was like, I don't want to go down that road. I want to tell stories, but I don't want to go down that road. So I left. And then I did two years in home staging, very successful. But again, I couldn't handle it because my back, I just couldn't manage. So I went into mortgage brokering Wow! because my dad's an accountant. So I have both sides of the brain. And I did five years in that and it was really successful and I was winning awards and I was making money, but something inside me was really missing. Remember I said I wanted to give back and there was always that piece. And by now, because I had gone through depression and my daughter is there with her needs and then my business and the family and life, I had put away my camera, which was my pride and joy. I always had my camera with me since my age of 10, always taking photos. Maybe not great, but just something that, you know, expanded my ability to tell stories or creativity or whatever. And my cousin called me and said, I need you to take our family photos. And I'm like, "Ah, I don't do that anymore. She goes, please, I just can't afford anybody else. And I love your work. And I'm like, okay. I picked up that camera. I took their photos and never put it back down again. And I realized that that's what I had been missing all along. Beautiful. So 2017, I went back to write my broker exam. And I was sitting there writing the exam. And I was like, what am I doing? I'm not even happy anymore. Yeah, I'm making great money, but I'm not even happy. So I put down my pen and I walked out and my boss said, where are you going? And I said, I quit. He goes, what? I said, I quit. See you later. And that was it. I literally quit on the spot. That's awesome. (laughs) And that night, it was August. I can't remember the exact date, August, 2017. I have insomnia and I had a dream that I saw myself in Uganda teaching photography to girls. And I woke my husband up because he sleeps like a bear, like anywhere, anytime, snoring. And I'm like, hey, Thomas, I know what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. And he said, oh my God, here we go again. (laughs) I was always changing. And I said, I'm going back to Uganda and I'm going to teach girls photography. 
And he said, yeah, whatever. And he went back to sleep. Okay, see you, babe. Yeah, whatever. You're crazy. And I sat down and put the business plan together on a one piece paper. And August 2018, I was in Uganda doing our first training. Oh my goodness. That is so magical and so beautiful. Yeah. And there's a little bit of a backstory to that one. I originally wanted to go to Northern Uganda to teach girls who had been affected by the Lord's Resistance Army. So the LRA was an army living up in the northern part of Uganda that had kidnapped young children and turned them into child soldiers. So they had killed their families to survive. And when everything was over, these children were left, especially the girls with no family, no community. They were shunned and they had nothing like no way to change their lives around. And I thought by going back to the northern part of Uganda to teach them photography and help them tell their story, it would be transformative, but also healing. But the challenge was there was no internet and there was no electricity. And if they gave the girls a camera, they were going to sell it for food. Mm -hmm. So it was my friend Venex, who was like my brother from another mother, who's a journalist in Uganda, who told me about the challenges females specifically face when they go through education to become journalists, but they come out of school and they're not allowed to have a job because they don't own a camera and they don't know how to use one. So it's basically gender-based barriers that are put upon them to keep them out of the workforce. And I was like, bingo. So we started with 15 young women. I didn't even have the name cameras for girls because I was like, what am I going to call this thing? And after our first training, because I wanted to make sure that it was a good idea before I invested all this hard-earned money of my own. And that's when I was sitting there and I was like, girls, women, cameras, cameras for girls. And people will say, but they're women. Why are you call it cameras for girls? Because in Africa, they're, or specifically Uganda, they're referred to as the girl child, not women. Okay. So it made more sense, not in the Canadian or North American lexicon, but in the African lexicon. And that's who I serve. I right. serve Africa. Oh, yeah. And so tell us, where are you today with Cameron? Mm-hmm. How can we help? Okay. And what's your mission and goals for the next three to five years? Oh, absolutely. Okay. So we are heading back in two and a half weeks. I leave on June 3rd to train our fourth cohort. We'll have 16 girls and I just got a grant. So we're going to be doing our first workshop in November in Tanzania for 15 girls. Wow. Congratulations. Yeah. And I keep it at 15 because it's manageable, number one. But number two, it takes a lot to purchase 15 cameras Mm. because each girl gets a camera to keep. And she gets a four-phase training program, which encompasses the four-day workshop and then the online training that lasts a year, business skills training, and mentoring. So it's a lot. And so 47 girls to date have been taught in Uganda and 65% or 33 of those girls now have full-time jobs. And that will possibly jump because we're just coming to the end of our third cohort, which means that more girls will start to get work. So that percentage will jump. And then through our online program that I built. So when COVID hit, I couldn't get back to Africa. And I was like, I can't let all of this work go to waste. So I sat down and built an online training platform. So this houses all of the videos I've ever done, any, you know, trainings that are business skills. So if a girl doesn't get into the on like the in-person workshop, because, you know, I can only take 15 
in the country at a time. She can join the online and as long as she has her own phone or camera, she can participate in everything, including the weekly Zoom calls, you know, the mentoring, the photo reviews, the training, everything. She can have access to everything. So 147 girls so far in total. You know, we're looking for ways to expand. Our three to five year plan is to be in Uganda, Tanzania, Sierra Leone, Ghana, Nigeria, and South Africa. And then do a train the trainer sessions, meaning that if you've come through our in-person workshop, we will train you to do what I do. So you can train your own cohort, which allows us to grow and be sustainable. And then we're looking for partnerships of other cameras, you know, any photography related businesses. So we're in talks right now with Canon Marisha, which is the Canon Africa division to see if once I finish the basic skills training, they can enter their training platform to level up their skills even further and open up their opportunities within Africa, you know, and also North America. And I really preach about LinkedIn profiles. Okay. Because LinkedIn for me has been an amazing avenue to open up the world to me. And I'm meeting entrepreneurs and people from everywhere across the world. As I share about Cameras for Girls, I'm getting interest from other people across Africa who want to partner up. And so I want the same for these girls. I want them to think not insular, like, oh, I just want to stay in my country, but get out, get out of your country, expand your horizons, expand your skill set, see who else is out there in your network who can open up opportunities to you to work outside and get paid even higher, right? And get a better life. So we work with consultants to help the girls when they're finishing, get a robust LinkedIn profile, teach them social media skills, editing. I mean, it's robust. The training is robust. I asked a lot of them because it's all free. But, you know, the proof is in the pudding and it's working. Well, I don't know how anyone would ever say no to you. (laughs) (laughs) Listening to you, you have me inspired to want (laughs) something more and different. And you are such an incredible role model. These girls are so lucky that they have you as a guiding light and a guardian angel. You literally glow when you talk about this as a passion project, such admiration. And I am certain that we're going to make sure in our show notes, we have all of your contact information. Thank you. People can connect with you, where people can offer to help, donate their time, money, or talent, whatever they could do. We're always looking for people and donations, of course. Yes. (laughs) Absolutely. And for yourself, do you see any future you slowing down? I don't know how. (laughs) I don't know how. But yeah, I don't. Like I'm 54. I can't see myself doing this forever. And the goal is to, you know, mentor others who can take over my place, but they really have to be somebody who's passionate about the work. Can't be just somebody who's going to step into the role of executive director and just lead, you know, the charity side of things. They really have to be invested in girls, education, gender equality, female empowerment or women's empowerment, I'd rather say, and really move us forward across Africa. And so, you know, my goal is to not get another me, but to keep going as long as I can, because this really lights me up. And I really wish I had found my passion of what I was meant to do in life way earlier, but at least I finally found it. I agree with you because I have similar feelings. I do believe though, we get to where we are supposed to be in the time we're supposed to be there. And is our time and now is our season 
to mm-hmm. share mm-hmm. all of our experiences and share our wisdom and yes, set it up so that we can pass it along. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You leave such an incredible legacy, whether you- I hope so. I really hope so. You know? I, I see it being huge. It is beautiful. It is an inspiration. And I share that I also have no intentions of slowing down. I also don't know how. Yes. <laughs> But are you an A personality like me? Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) What is the one key piece of advice you give these girls when they are feeling low or frustrated Mm -hmm. or not heard? That's a big one. I tell them that their voice matters, that never let anybody tell them no. Never let anybody harass them. So many of my girls face systemic harassment on the job, off the job. If they get a job, some of them are told, well, you have to pay for it with money or sex. And I tell them that that is never an option, that I will work as hard as I can to set them up with all the successes if they work with me to get them where they need to be. Right. And it's a shame. It really is a shame. When I go to Uganda this time, I have taken steps to kind of eradicate this, if you will, by reaching out to media houses to plead our case that, hey, I'm training these girls. I'm even giving them the tools like a camera. All you need to do is meet me on the other side, give them fair and equal pay and reduce the harassment on the job. And you will have girls who turn out incredible work. So that's my mission, right? To get them into safe, equitable paid work where they can just be themselves and forget all the other, excuse my word, shit behind because it's not fair. It's not needed. And we really need to move this world forward, not backward. And so I'm constantly telling them that I've got your back, but you have to have your own back. You need to work twice as hard as a male, unfortunately, in this world to get to where you want to. If you're not going to put in the work, I'm not going to work harder than you. I'm going to work as equally as you, but I'll always be by your side as long as you do the work. If you do the work, I'll get you to the finish line. If you don't, I can't help you. And that's in anything. That's in anything, right? I'm teaching them how to fish. I'm not giving them the fish because that does nothing for them. Right. There are so many nuggets in that. I (laughs) don't know which one to pick to highlight. However, (laughs) I love that you said their voices matter. Their voices always matter. I just need to know that. Absolutely. And I love that you are the voice of these girls. I don't know that there's more than that. Just continue to be the voice, you know, of these girls, speak up for them, advocate for them. And I know that I can see it in you. You're glowing and you're passionate and that everything you're doing is for them. And that is so beautiful because we all get better when we start to focus on someone else, mm-hmm. someone else's dreams and passion. Mm-hmm. And so I hope that through this today that I am able to share the story as well and hope your cause and impact even one girl differently. Absolutely. Starts with one. Absolutely. Thanks so much for being with me today. This is an incredible story. I've been literally listening intently, (laughs) staring at you, thinking this woman is incredible. (laughs) I truly believe our listeners will enjoy this as well. And we'll be sure to, like I said, include all of your contact information. Thank you so much, Shari. I really, really appreciate this. 